right, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you this morning, outdoor service, and I'm speaking into this, so this is kind of different. I can't walk around, I guess. Hey, for the, for the past few weeks, uh, we've been taking a look at this church in Syria, uh, this, this, uh, this city about 200 miles north of Jerusalem, 20 miles inland from the Mediterranean Sea. It's the church in the late first century located in this city called Antioch. I won't make you turn to your neighbor and say Antioch. You don't have to do that. <laughs> but yeah, we've been talking about Antioch for the last few weeks, and uh, it was a major and influential city. Its population was around 300,000 people. It was a cosmopolitan and international city. People from all over the region uh, came to Antioch. And so on Labor Day weekend, if you remember back to uh, Labor Day weekend, we kicked off this series and we learned what the engine was that powered this church. Supernatural things took place as these people did three things. You remember what they did? They worshiped, they fasted, and they, starts with a P, they prayed. They worshiped, fasted, and prayed. And as they did this, God moved among them. They heard God's voice. Uh, the church was growing. Uh, people's lives were being changed. Uh, we, and we were challenged to be a church that postures ourselves in this way, to worship, fast, and pray. And so even like this past week, uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, to be with other folks and, and really go after prayer and worship. And uh, it was so awesome to be able to pray with our staff. It was great to pray with other uh, leaders in our region here on Thursday morning. Uh, men's prayer on Friday morning, elder prayer. It was great opportunities to pray. And this is happening. It's the engine that powers the church in Antioch, and I believe it's the engine that powers PFC as well. We must stoke the fire in the engine room of prayer, worship, and fasting if we want PFC to grow and become this healthy, thriving place for people following Christ. The next week, we learned that this church in Antioch knew how to do, how to handle tension and, and how to embrace tension. They didn't always agree on the issues. They didn't always see eye to eye. But they were able to, like, bend toward one another in love and grace and, 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 and have this posture of towardness and work these things out. Then last week, we saw how this church in Antioch was a place with open hands. You remember that? Open hands. It was a place of sending and receiving. They, they commissioned Paul and Barnabas, laid their hands on them, sent them out on what would be Paul's first missionary journey. And this must have been kind of tough for these people. Paul and Barnabas had spent the past year just investing and pouring their, themselves into these people in, in this church in Antioch. And, and they had to say goodbye to these two men. But they realized that God had called these two guys uh, for, for a specific mission. And so they laid their hands on them and they commissioned them for their service. They knew God was calling them to teach and preach and proclaim Jesus to other parts of, of that Mediterranean rim. This is who God is calling PFC to be right now. In fact, we are a, a church with open hands, a church that is sending and receiving. Uh, right now, Pastor Dave Willauer is uh, just down the road, uh, and he's ministering at Parker Ford Baptist Church right now. Um, when Dave is not here, he's often preaching and, and speaking to other churches in the area. Same with Tim, Deering, and, and Jen as part of Netzer, this ministry that, that encourages and equips pastors and churches in our, 
in our region here in southeastern Pennsylvania. Tim is often speaking and ministering. And then uh, this afternoon, Pastor DJ is going to be uh, uh, preaching at an anniversary service at the Filipino Church in Philadelphia at 3 o'clock. Uh, the church that started International Christian Fellowship. And so this afternoon, DJ will be ministering there in Philly. PFC is, get, I mean, you better get used to this. We, we are a church that is sending and receiving. We're going to be welcoming people back and ministering to them as they rest and refuel. We're going to be commissioning folks for service. We're going to be sending and receiving. That's who we are. Today, and we want to look at one more really amazing trait of this Antioch church. You ready? The last thing we're going to talk about when it comes to this church in Antioch. If you have a Bible, you can meet me in Acts chapter 11. Or if you have a phone, you can navigate there. Acts chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 27 through 30. And I'm going to read from the uh, Christian Standard Bible, CSB. Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 30. It says, In those days some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine throughout the Roman world. This took place during the reign of Claudius. I like how Luke just kind of sticks that in, like, hey, in case you're wondering, this actually did happen. All right, the prophet was, was on it. He had this word from the Lord that there was going to be this famine uh, in Judea, and this took place during the reign of Claudius. Verse 29, each of the disciples or each of the believers, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brothers and sisters who lived in Judea. They did this, sending it to the elders by means of Barnabas and Saul. I love this. This church in Antioch was irrationally generous. There was this real need for resources in Judea because of this famine that was going on. I think there's four things that we can learn about generosity from this church. Not that you're taking notes, all right, but this is what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes four things that we can learn about generosity from this church. First of all, they gave willingly and they gave deliberately. Once the need was known that the believers in this church of Antioch, they weren't just like, well, that stinks. Famines, that's no fun. Oh, that, that's got to be really hard for these people in Judea. You know, our thoughts and prayers are with the, with the people starving to death in Jerusalem. May God give you peace. Now, I'm sure that they prayed because that's what these people did. And I'm not minimizing the power of prayer. But notice that they took it a step further. Like they responded with their pocketbooks. They took action and they gave willingly. It doesn't say anything about gimmicks to try to get these people in this church to give. I don't, it doesn't say anything about like if you give $100, we will send you water from the Dead Sea. If you give $200, we'll send you anointing oil from Israel, you know. It wasn't anything like that that sometimes we hear about, you know, when there's giving campaigns, you know. They just gave willingly, and they determined that they would send a relief offering. They gave deliberately. That word determined may also be translated as decided or resolved. In other words, knowing the need, they resolved to be generous. We often lack that resolution or that determination when it comes to generosity uh, we we you know we we just kind of look at our our finances and if there's some stuff left over at the end of the month well then maybe we think about giving a little bit of that 
or we hear about something that, you know, we hear about a need and we're like, oh, we should really give toward that. And then we forget because we're just not intentional. We don't give deliberately. We don't think about it. We're not intentional. So they knew the need and they resolved to be generous. And notice the determination or this, um, this uh, deliberate giving was both individual, right? Each disciple or each believer and actually was corporate. It was as each of the believers it was individual and corporate. And I think this church gave willingly and deliberately because they had this abundance mindset. I was in high school when I read uh, Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the many things that he writes about in this book is the difference between a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset. Someone who believes in a scarcity mindset believes that there's just simply not enough to go around. There's always a limit, and you better get what's, what, what you need because uh, it's, there's just not enough. But someone with an abundance, an abundance mindset believes that there's always more, that there is more than enough. That there's more than enough hot dogs for everybody this morning. That you don't have to rush and get first in line today. And if we run out, that we can go and get more. You know, That's the abundance mindset. So many times we think that there's not enough and we start grasping, grasping at things and, and hoarding things and clenching things because we don't think that there's enough. We forget that we serve a God who is limitless and abundant, and a powerful God who owns all things and can always provide. So this church gave willingly and deliberately because of Jesus' example and his abundant provision. The second thing we learn from this church is that they gave proportionally proportionally we cannot give what we do not have and jesus never asked us to do that instead the christians in antioch resolved to give according to their ability literally according to the amount of resources that each person had so the question that they had to ask was what do we have to give what can we give and that's the question that we need to ask today what do we have to give and the truth is as americans we have a whole lot more than we think we have. We need to understand that everything we have comes from God, that we're simply his money managers or his stewards. Uh, he's putting things in our hands to perhaps bless someone else. He's putting things in our hands and then entrusting us with his resources. And I love how the New Living Translation translates Acts eleven twenty nine. It says that these people gave as much as they could. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? I was trying to picture that this week. I'm like, what would that have looked like to see a church give as much as they could? So in my mind, I'm seeing people sitting down. This, I know they didn't have computers or online banking, but they're sitting down at their computer, right? And they're looking at their finances and they're trying to move money around and transfer money over so that they can give as much as they can. They're walking around their house going, what else can we put on Facebook Marketplace? Do we really need that end table? Let's, put, let's sell that and, and give the proceeds to help with the people that are hungry in Jerusalem. Kids are like, you know, shaking their piggy banks, you know, trying to give as much as they could. They're checking their couch cushions. They're checking underneath the seats in their minivan. They're like, oh, look, I found another denarius. Someone's going to eat tonight in Jerusalem, you know, like giving as much as they could. 
just pause for a minute and ask yourself, when was the last time that you gave as much as you were able and maybe even pushed it beyond that? It's a pretty convicting question for me to ask myself. My wife and I and uh, our family were recently on the, on the receiving end of some irrational generosity. Um, it was uh, something that you talk about blessing someone's socks off. That's exactly what happened. We were speechless, and we still are, feeling completely unworthy and and uh, and so humbled. And uh, it was uh, I mean, it took our breath away. Like I can't even <clears throat> I can't even I can't even talk about it. And we said when you know, like man, we wanna we wanna be that person someday that just. It's irrational, makes no sense, but we want to do that for someone else someday. We want to be generous with the resources that God has entrusted to us. Number three, they gave purposely. The disciples in Antioch, they gave for a particular purpose, to send relief to the Christ followers in Judea. There was a plan and a purpose for their giving. You need to know, here at PFC, there is a plan and a purpose for our annual spending plan, our budget here at PFC. Starting next week, DJ was talking about it, brand new series called We Are. And you're going to hear about who PFC is and who we believe God is calling us to be. And your giving can help us be on mission. And this is the weird moment where a pastor's talking about money and you're like holding on your wallet here, right? <laughs> I'd encourage you to use the budget. And if you'd like a copy of the budget anytime, you can email Dave Folk. He would be glad, right, Dave? You'd be glad to send someone a copy of the budget. But use the budget as a, as a way to pray for PFC. Look it over and pray for the pastors. Pray for the building. Pray for the various ministries and missionaries and global partners that we have throughout the world. Finally, they gave wisely. We want to be purposeful in our giving, but we also want to give wisely. The church in Antioch, they chose trusted men. Yeah, you can trust Paul and Barnabas, and they did. And they loaded these guys up. And it wasn't like these guys carried a check or a money order to Jerusalem. They loaded these guys up with all of the money that they had given for the famine in, in Judea. And so I'm, 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 I'm imagining Paul and Barnabas stuffing stuff, you know, in their, between their, in, in, in their clothes and in their backpack and in their tents, right? They're taking all of this and they take it to Jerusalem and they give it to the elders in the church of Jerusalem. They don't just give it to anyone. They give it to the elders. This church in Antioch gave wisely. I think if we want to create a culture of generosity here at PFC, then we should follow the example of this church and give willingly, deliberately, proportionally, purposely, and wisely. Jesus said in Acts 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Have you experienced that? It's more blessed, blessed to give than it is to receive. As I've been working on uh, my thoughts for today and, and praying for you, my sense is that I believe God is calling us as a church. God is calling PFC to be a church that's known for its irrational generosity. 
We will use our resources to bless others because we believe, we take Jesus seriously, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And since coming to PFC this past summer, I've experienced some of this. I've seen examples of irrational generosity here at PFC. I mentioned last week that when we were talking about building expansion, just stopping and, and celebrating the fact that this land, this building, is paid for. That means that over the last, I don't know, couple of decades, there have been so many generous acts. So many of you that have given sacrificially and irrationally so that this building could be here today, so that we could be sitting on this land today. I've, ex- I've just, I'm appreciative for, uh, for PFC welcoming Daybreak and uh, making space for us, making room for us, introducing us to the ministries of PFC, bringing me on staff full-time. So generous. I've seen so many missionaries and ministries that are supported here at PFC and North Point and Daybreak. I've seen so many of you like sign up and take meals to people who who maybe are recovering from surgery or just had a baby or going through a hard time, maybe lost a loved one. And then this past week, just learning about what, what, what the Conicelli family did. My goodness, like they just fostered a baby. And they weren't like ready to do that. They weren't open for that. But as they were praying about the future of their family, they sensed God was saying, maybe you should be a little open to that. And they heard about the fact that the county is overwhelmed and they decided to take in a baby. That is irrational generosity. That is irrational love. And I'm so glad that there are crazy people like that here at PFC who are looking for opportunities to be irrationally generous because we believe that as followers of Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So I want you to just take a moment and just assess your generosity for a second. On a scale of 1 to 10, all right, 1 being uh, less generous and 10 being more generous, where are you on that scale? Now, don't give yourself a 10 unless you died for the sins of the world and are sinless and perfect in every way. Unless you're Jesus, okay? Don't give yourself a 1 either, all right, because that's like the devil, you know, whose mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not very generous, but some are in between. Let's not go extremes, but where are you on that scale? And this can be a little tricky because you can have a lot of money and give what most people would consider to be a lot, but for you, it's actually not. You could give a big amount and yet not be that generous. And on the other hand, you could have almost nothing and still give what most people would consider, that's not very much, but for you, it's a lot. I want you to think about it. Maybe not uh, so much in how much you give, but maybe think about how much you keep for yourself. Maybe you give a lot of your time and you serve, and you might be like a seven or an eight or a nine. But you might be on the other side that finds it very difficult to give. In fact, just the very fact that we're talking about this right now is making you very uncomfortable and uh, kind of upset. And so maybe that's an indication that you have a scarcity mindset. But I want you to think about it. How much do you keep? How much do you really use to be a blessing to others? Where would you rank yourself on the scale? And here's what I want to do this morning. I want to encourage you in the next few weeks and months, with Jesus' help, to take a step 
in the direction toward being more generous with your resources, with the resources that God has entrusted you with. To become irrationally generous. Isaiah 32 verse 8 says, But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Like, they plan to do this. They think about and plan how to be generous. They have a giving budget. They stand firm in their generosity when all of culture says consume, consume, consume. This person stands firm. A generous person stands firm, and they're like, no, 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 I give, give, give. Because giving is not just what we do, but generous is who we are. Don't miss the power of that. Giving is not just something that we do, but generous is who we are. And if I may, I just want to share two words that God has been like kind of downloading to me recently over and over and over again as he's helping me to become a more generous person. Two words. You ready? Round up. <laughs> Those are the two words that I constantly am hearing from the Holy Spirit. And I'm also seeing at the grocery store, you know, when you go to check out, you know, would you like to round up? Anybody ever see that when you're out shopping? Would you like to round up? You know, and you have to kind of go through all those questions. Well, I'm sensing that for me anyway, I'm not speaking for you, but for me, that is how God is saying, yeah, Dave, you need to round up. You need to become a more generous person. And I'm like, God, no, not right now. Not with this crazy inflation, right? I'm getting to the total and I'm like, this store doesn't need any more of my money. Round up, are you serious? I don't know if you've ever thought that, but sometimes I think that. But I believe that God is saying, no, round up. The, just this past Thursday, when we were praying at Operation 143, we found out that Giant, one of the giants in the area in Pottstown, just used all of the round up money that they have collected this past month and were giving a bunch of food to Operation 143, Operation Backpack. So when you round up, it might be a way for, for you to bless a local charity like Operation 143. It may be a way to bless a server or a small business that is struggling. Round up. Some of, the, some of you may feel God saying to you, round up your tithe. If your tithe is $185, $185, God might be saying just round it up to 200 when you go to tip somebody at, at the restaurant and you're going to tip 18%, God may, God may say to you, round it up, tip 20%. I know a guy who gave a car away, but before he gave it away, he actually had it detailed and he filled it up with gas. That guy rounded up. At PFC, we will be a church that's known for its irrational generosity. We will use our resources to bless others because we believe it is more what? Blessed to give than to receive. We round up. I'm so moved by this church in Antioch that willingly, deliberately chose to give proportionally, purposely, and wisely. This is just what they did. It was similar to the early church in the book of Acts, Acts 4, where it says two different times if it, that if there was someone in need, followers of Jesus would take what they had, sell it, and give them money so it met the needs of the people who needed it. What's shocking to me, what's interesting to me, is that there's not one specific story about the early church there's not one specific story about somebody giving there's not a story about you know some woman who sold her earrings and gave the proceeds to help those in need there's not a story about a guy who sold some tools so that somebody could be blessed but there is a specific story about a couple that did not give 
They sold some land, but they didn't give all of the proceeds of the land to the, to the church, to the apostles. It's a very specific story about Ananias and Sapphira, and it did not end well for them. There is no specific story about giving, and I think you could make the argument that it's because it was so common. It just happened every day. People gave. The early churches did this, and it's just what followers of Jesus did. And it says in Acts 4, 33 and 34, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, right? Not in just some, but in the whole church. His grace was at work in them all so that there was no needy persons among them. And I ask you today, friends, could that be possible today? I, I think if, if, we, if PFC caught fire when it comes to generosity, and we realize that we want to be a place known for irrational generosity, and we believe that it's truly more blessed to give than receive, I believe we can meet the needs of so many people right here in Coventry Glen. We can meet the needs of so many people of, the, the, of our neighbors, the people we live next to, the people that we work with, the people that, you know, that we hang out with at our kids' sports events. I believe we could get their attention. I, I, I visualize, I pray for a church of generous people who start with the tithe as a beginning point, and then they give offerings well beyond that. I see a group of people who are not entitled but see themselves as entrusted with God's resources to do more, right? To who much is given, much is required, and we have been given so much. Therefore, God expect, he, he expects much. I see a group of people who believe deep within their heart that it's more blessed to give than receive. When people, as we give, people look on, they're like, I, I don't know if I believe what you believe, but seriously, I've never known such generous people. And then, right then, we have a moment, we have an opportunity to tell them about our generous God who gave more than we could ever imagine. When he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. We will lead the way. We will be a church known for our generosity because as followers of Jesus, we truly believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would just stir in our hearts in this moment. Maybe there's one thing that really kind of challenged us or will stick with us this week as we go about our lives. Lord, I pray that each one of us, no matter where we put ourselves on this, on this sliding scale, that we would, with your help, Jesus, take one step toward being a more generous person because you have blessed us so much. Help us to be more generous and to have an abundance mindset. Help us to be a church that is known for our generosity. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us how this is done, for being a generous God on our behalf. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to move into a time of communion now, so if, uh, if you can take out your communion packet that you received uh, when you came in. If, if you did not get one, just raise your hand, and there's uh, a couple people that will come around and make sure that you have some. There's also some gluten-free options as well. Uh, just raise your hand if you need any of that, and uh, we'll put, uh, I think Beth has the gluten-free option.
So she'll come around and, and make sure you have that. Today, I think it's only appropriate that we pause and remember the one who showed us what generosity looks like, who gave as much as he could. And friends, he gave us his body, all of it. He gave us his blood, all of it. Why did he do that? You know, we, we talk about Jesus on the cross. Why, why did he have to die on the cross? He had to die. He had to give it all because we were so desperately in need. We were in need of a restored relationship with God because of our sin. And he willingly and deliberately gave us his all. When we take communion today, I want us to remember and to to say thanks and worship him from the bottom of our hearts. We serve an irrationally generous God, a God who gave it all. Today, every follower of Christ is invited to take communion. You don't have to be a member of PFC. You don't have to have taken PFC 101. Uh, but we ask that you be a follower of Jesus, that you believe in Jesus as the Savior of your sins, the forgiver of your sins. Parents, you know best where your kids are at on uh, their own spiritual journey and uh, their understanding of the Lord's table. Well, let's just pause before we take communion. Let's just pause and make sure that, that we take communions with pure hearts and minds this morning. Let's examine our hearts, confessing anything that might be standing in the way between us and our holy God. And then I will lead us into prayer together. Let's just take a moment. Jesus, we just thank you for your generous love for us, for giving everything to rescue us and restore us to relationship with you. You didn't go halfway. You didn't hold back. You didn't give leftovers. You gave it all. You rounded up and you stretched out your arms for us, paying our debt in full. And we just thank you. We worship you. We praise you. Amen. You take out the, the little wafer, the bread. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, let's all say this together if you know the words. He said this, this is my body, which is given for you. Let's say that again. This is my body, which is given for you broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread, the body of Christ. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the juice, the blood of Christ.
And let's do so with grateful hearts. Jesus, thank you for rounding up for us. Help us to follow your example and be people that are irrationally generous so that more people can know how awesome and amazing you are so that we have opportunities to point people to you. Thank you, Jesus, for our salvation. Amen.